It's not just about having a Hall of Fame career. It's about having a Hall of Fame life. You can have both. You can have a Hall of Fame career and you can have a Hall of Fame life. But what's most important, if you don't have a Hall of Fame career, is having a Hall of Fame life. And the tragedy would be to have a Hall of Fame career, but have a horrible life. Welcome to the Seismic Shift Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Johnston, and this is a podcast where we explore connection and disconnection at the highest levels. And I am thrilled, I mean, literally beyond thrilled, to introduce you to Demario Davis, our guest on the podcast today. Demario Davis just made Pro Bowler for the second consecutive season. He's been with the New Orleans Saints since 2018. He is known as one of the very best leaders, not just amazing on the field with his, his athleticism, but what's remarkable and why I've been trying for years to get him on the podcast is, is his leadership ability off the field, in the locker room, how he motivates his team, how he connects with his team. So welcome, Demario Davis. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. It's an honor uh, to be here. I feel like I've been running in quicksand trying to get to you. Um just all the amazing work you do with Seismic Shift and, and, and your background. Um, I, it's truly an honor to be on, on with you. Um, this is long overdue, and that's that's all me, and I, and I apologize for that, but I'm glad I'm here now. I am so glad you're here, and I just I can't wait for my listeners to learn from you. So in all of my years of research and, 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 and coaching all of the leaders, what I've found about connection is in order to truly show up as somebody who can meaningfully connect, you got to be connected with yourself first. So I would love for you to share your story with our listeners. Tell us your story. My story is pretty simple. I grew up in uh, Mississippi um, and I went to school in, in Arkansas and my life was just radically transformed by the gospel. Uh, my mom had me when she was 16. Uh, my grandma taught me all right. Uh, right and from wrong, I had to stay with my grandmother because uh, my mom was going off to finish school. Um, and I knew all the right things to do. Uh, but once I got with my mom, you know, uh, where we were living, we were around a lot of the wrong stuff. Uh, my pops uh, wasn't around. Um, and so I did what a lot of kids who grew up in a single parent household do. I fell a victim to my environment. And uh, by the time I was in ninth grade, I was already uh, getting high every day, getting drunk, partying. I was around gangs. Um, and I kind of got scared straight in high school, uh, which allowed me my junior and senior year to make straight A's. And I was pretty decent on the football field. So I ended up getting a scholarship. Uh, my first year in college, I went to jail. Um, and after three days in jail, I knew my life wasn't headed in the right direction. So I started looking for some things. Uh, just kind of soul searching. And my my team chaplain took a hold of me and he ended up leading me uh, to Christ. And once I realized uh, why Christ had to die for us, why um, there was an inseparable gap and there was no way I could work my way uh, to him. But it, it all started making sense of him dying on the cross and uh, him washing us white as snow. Um, I fell in love with that. And I realized my whole life, I thought it was just about doing more right than wrong. And I had been working, trying to do more right. But every time I took a step forward, I was taking five steps back. Um, and so it was just like I couldn't do it. Um, but when I was radically transformed by Christ, all I wanted to do was go and tell other people about how good he was. Um, and from there, my life changed. I saw 
I was no longer getting my own way. My heart changed. I started to live for something that was bigger than myself. All I wanted to do was uh, know more about God and make him known. And I realized I had a vehicle through sports to do that. Um, I met my wife uh, in 2011. Um, We got married in 2012, got drafted in 2012. And that's what we used. We used uh, the game of football to to share the gospel. We were were like on the field missionaries. Yeah, we play and want to be great in this game, but we felt like it was an opportunity to tell a much bigger story. I mean, that's what we've tried to do. Uh, We participated in Bible studies. We participated in our foundation and doing things in the community. Um, and, and and so many different organizations we participated with, but that's really what we've tried to do is use our platform to to move the gospel forward. Um, and here I stand, uh, here we stand at year 12, as you say, with the Pro Bowl now, and my wife and my five kids are here, uh, just looking at the fruit of uh, of who God is. And it, and it hasn't been peaches and cream. Um, to say we've been tested by the fire is, is to say the least, I, I, I believe. Uh, anytime you you uh, you you live for the Lord, um, the the enemy is going to come, um, and you're going to be t- you're going to be tested. You're going to have to go through storms. And um, I I feel like the enemy came for my career at one point. He's came for my children uh, at one point. You know we faced storms with that. Uh, we faced the storm of coming for our marriage, um, but we've been able to overcome it all by the grace of God. And, I'm so grateful that, you know, that we built our our, uh, uh, our our life on the rock. The Bible says the storms will come. And uh, it's like a man who built his house on sand. The storm came and the house filled and it was great. But those who built on the rock, when the storms came, the house stood. Um, and that's that's what we've seen. And I think at this point, um, having just finished our 12th season in the league, what we try to use our platform to do is to tell uh, people that, uh, especially athletes, that it's not just about having a Hall of Fame career. It's about having a Hall of Fame life. And that's what we try to use our platform. How can You can have both. You can have a Hall of Fame career and you can have a Hall of Fame life. But what's most important, if you don't have a Hall of Fame career, is having a Hall of Fame life. And the tragedy would be to have a Hall of Fame career, but have a horrible life. Oh, that is beautiful. I love that. And so how do you garner the trust um, from your teammates. So you're the leader of the defense, right? I mean, you're you're a true role model on the Saints football team. And so we're talking here about connection. And, and how do you, that next level is, so first you connected with yourself beautifully. You own your story. You're like, here's who I am. Here are my challenges. Here's what I went through. But I came out on the other side. I'm better for it. I built a rock. We have a foundation. We have a mission. We have a connection, right? And then that next level is that true connection with your teammates. So how do you do that? How do you motivate them when things are not, I mean, the Saints didn't have a stellar season. How do you, as the leader, keep that connection and motivate them? Um, I think it goes back to how I operated when we first got here in 2018. The first thing you have to do is assess your environment, and then you have to adapt as things come. And, And one thing that when I came that that has not changed um, that I identified about the environment was number one, it was a winning culture. Um, number two, it was a competitive environment um, as defensively, like they built the defense around being fast and physical. Um, and it just had a tremendous amount of swag, which I love. And so I just assessed those things about the environment. And then, you know, how do I come in and connect with this environment? How do I, um, you know, make sure that I fit in the environment, but also help 
you know, use my influence to to help raise the environment or make it better, add value to it. Um, and I started pondering questions. I started to 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 really think about, you know, the winning culture. What does it take to win? Um, when you think about being competitive, what does it take to have the competitive edge? Um, you know, being fast and violent, what is that around? Uh, the greatest defensively, the greatest advantage you have is fear. Like, what does it mean to be feared? Um, and then the swag, what is swag? It's just your confidence. Um, so so how do you so how do you have that confidence? And I think the foundational principles that I build my life on are what transcends um into the culture. Um and I believe when you think about a winning culture, what is what is true success? Uh well, I feel that the true success is found in the in the last part of the Lord's Prayer that every team across the league says. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, we say, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. That we, we say those things. And but what does that mean? Um, well, the kingdom uh is first. You can't get to the power. I think everybody wants power, but you can't get to the power without the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is a narrow door. And it means it's only one way in, and that's through Jesus Christ. You have to give your life to Jesus Christ. It's the only way into the kingdom of heaven. Um, it, and and before you can start anything, you have to be on a team. So you have to get on a team, you know, being when I came to the Saints. And when you get on a team, it's all about what's the rules and the operation there. I couldn't come to the Saints and just act how I wanted to act. You have to do whatever is mandated to, for the environment, you know, as a coach, he calls a play. That's what you run. <laughs> um, and I think that's what it's like to go into the kingdom. It, you go in his way and then you submit to his lordship. It's um, you, you, it's given to you. It's a free gift. Um, you accept it. You go through Jesus Christ. But then it's about lordship. And my life is no longer my own. I live for the kingdom. But I think when you do that, the next is uh, you get you get the power. You get the power by being in position. You don't get the power of God by doing your own thing. You get the power of God by being aligned with him. Um, and, and being aligned with him gives you true power. Um, and I think uh, lastly is the glory. And you see so many athletes who will, you know, at the end of the game, say glory to God or they take a knee. But glory to God, giving glory to God is giving God glory in every area of your life. And, and you only can get that by having his power. And you only can get his power by being in his kingdom. And when you get all three, you have success. And so that's the foundation of my life. That's what I believe is success. And I believe if you can get other individuals to buy into living their life for the glory of God, it's going to transcend. And the more people that you have that are being sold out for Jesus, you know, even the church doesn't have everybody sold out for Jesus. But if you can get a core group of guys who are sold out for Jesus, it's going to raise the level of environment because of their commitment to a bigger cause and their connection. Um, I think that's that. Um, I think. Uh, when you think about having a competitive edge, you have a competitive edge when you're able to multiply yourself. Um, I think like well, some teams can have one great player, but if you're able to multiply yourself and have more great players, it's going to give you the competitive edge. And that's all it is. That's discipleship, multiplying your life. Um, and I think being feared is uh, it comes from having this inner courage. Um, and the inner courage is when somebody steps on the field, everybody's nervous. Everybody has doubts. Um, it's part of being a human being. But what's what's the difference is I defeat myself every day. I kill my flesh every day. 
Uh, when it when it when it's one when I have fears, when I have doubts, I know where to go. I belong to the kingdom of God. I'm a child of God, and so I know how to speak into my fears. And so I don't have to put on. Uh, I don't have imposter syndrome. When when I have fears, I know where to take it. I have a, I have a plan. I have a strategy. And I think because that the, that I'm not afraid of myself. And so it's not like I'm trying to act like I'm uh, courageous. I'm actually demonstrating that courage. And so I think when that meets up somebody who hasn't done that, then it creates a fear. Um, it creates like it's reverence, but it's, it's the Holy Spirit. And then I think confidence. I think just being unashamed. I'm unashamed about what is taking place in my life. I'm unashamed about the gospel. Um, that's, that it changed my life, and I believe that it can change other people's life. And so I'm unashamed, I'm unapologetic, and I think that's what swag is. That's confidence. And so when I came and identified the culture, I just went to my foundation of who I am, and I just lived that. And and, and it's not like I'm coming in with a strategy or I'm going to lead this way. I just let myself be who I am, and hopefully the spirit that came upon me when I was in college, hopefully it comes on someone else, and we see that multiply. Well, that is your, you are the embodiment of connection. I mean, that is true, meaningful connection, truly understanding who you are, where you came from, your story, your strengths, your, your weaknesses, that you're human every day, that you're not perfect. And yet you have a mission, you have a purpose and it. Like you said, it's so much bigger than yourself and then it's contagious. Right. And, and, and you don't apologize for it. You're like, this is me. And then I think that energy and that spirit and that mission is contagious. So what about to some of your teammates who are like, Oh man, Demario, that's all good for you, but maybe, you know, that's not for me. How do you get it's cause you got to be all rowing in the same direction in the locker room. So, so how do you do that? It's around, it's, it's around the principle of, of uh, inclusion. And I think, yeah, I, I think when you think about um, inclusion, this this is where it can get a little dicey. It's it's it's, it's kind of two schools of thought. Like the gospel is inclusive of everyone. Um, it, the, the the Bible says uh, it's it's God. It is uh, God's will that all people be saved, right? But He gave us choice. And so when you look at it, it's inclusive of everybody. It's open to everybody. It's like a tryout. It's open to everybody. But not everyone will make it and everyone not making it is not has anything to do with ability because you get saved as a gift. It's free to everyone. All you have to do is accept. Um, now, when you get in, once you get saved, your sanctification, you have to do stuff. Um, and so it's about a choice. So it says many are called, but few are chosen. That's what the word says. And so it's open to everyone, but it's everyone willing to do everything that it takes. And, um, man, I, I, I think. The fact that that's offered and available to everyone, that's all you want to make sure everyone knows it's open and it's offered to everyone. And um, there's nothing unique about me that the, that the Holy Spirit is on me. It's available to you, too. Hopefully you see my life and you would desire to have the Holy Spirit on you. Um, and I think no team, uh, just like the church, is going to have everyone being sold out for Jesus. That's just not a realistic picture. But hopefully we can get a, a strong court. Jesus had three people. And he and 12 disciples and he changed the world. And so you only need a strong core. My goal in every environment is if I can just get three people who want to love Jesus and be sold out. That's a core. We're going to change. We're going to change the environment. We're going to raise the stakes. And um, I think that's the mentality that 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 I kind of look at it. Um, You know, the Bible uh, talks about why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? 
And I think when you talk about being sold out, that's what it looks like. It's a, um, my team is the kingdom. That's the team that I play for. Um, it, and it has a way, um, it has a way of operating. It has rules, it has guidelines of what it's supposed to look like. That's the team I play for and I follow those. Number two is I want the power. I want the Holy Spirit. And the way I get the Holy Spirit to stay on me and to move in a magnetic way is by staying aligned with the kingdom. And then that's my position. I have a power position. And one of the, I remember when I first worked out when I was in college, they were like, the skill is over here, the power groups are over here, and the strength groups are over here. Well, the strength was the O-linemen and D-linemen. The power was the linebackers and the backers and the tight ends. And the skill was the wide receivers and the DBs. And I was like, why do they call us the power position? So I'm so grateful that I'm in the power position. Uh, but because I, I think about that like the gospel, like being aligned in the kingdom is a position of power. You're, you're responsible for more because we don't just have to cover we, we don't just have to be on the line of scrimmage. We have to do a little bit of everything. And um, I think that's what the, the gospel allows you to do. Uh, but then the glory is I'm a lot, I'm able to give God glory in every area of my life. Um, and I'm able to be reflective of him. And I think that's open to everybody. And there's nothing that's unique about me. I think it's actually more just reverence for God the Father. And it's available. And so hopefully people see and be like, man, I want some of that. I don't know what it is, but I want some of that. And they, they fire and come closer. Um, but if you can multiply three to 12, you, you, you're doing phenomenal. I love it. And I couldn't, I can't believe because the, the next question I had for you was about inclusion and you went right there, which was amazing. So, so I'm about in about three weeks, we're launching the Benson Leadership Academy. So for the first time, for the Saints, the Pelicans, and for the corporate um, leaders, we're su- for all of Gail Benson's companies, we're super excited. So to do research and prep work for this, I've been collecting data on how do you build a culture of connection? And so I've interviewed a bunch of, of the leaders for all of the companies, and the word that just keeps coming up is inclusion. Mm-hmm. Inclusion, connection is inclusion. And making sure you have an inclusive personality and inclusive, leave that empty seat in the cafeteria, you know, leave that empty seat. Welcome to all. And so that's what I was going to ask you. What does inclusion mean to you when, when you've got new guys that are coming on every single year and you're the lead, you're the role model of defense. you got guys that might only make the practice squad at that. You know, how do you how do you behave as the leader to really demonstrate inclusion? Well, I go back to that connection piece. As you said, you kind of got into, uh, in, into uh, uh, inclusion through seeking out, you know, what does connection really mean? And uh, I, I was doing a little research. You, you like connection drives results. Yes. Um, and so every, every space is a results oriented business, you know, uh, or, or results organ, uh, oriented organization uh, because everything needs to be measured. Right. Um and I think when I think about connection, uh, power brings the ability to connect, right? And so when we go into, uh, you keep hearing me say these things, the kingdom, the power, the glory. Um, when I think about power, you only can get power from a source of energy. That's where it comes from. So like a phone. When I plug up my phone, I have a better ability to connect. So I have to be connected to something to get power, which is going to give me a greater ability to connect with people. And so if I myself am connected to the source, now I have power, now I have the ability to connect with people. So that's first. Once I get on my phone, 
I have to go to a location to connect with people, right? I have to go to a platform where other people are. I have to call somebody that's at a location, right? Picking up a telephone, like that's really old school. Like think about calling a payphone. You had to call a location, right? So to connect with somebody, you have to actually go somewhere to meet them. Um, and so like I have the ability to connect because I'm connected to the source, but I also have to have a location and think about like going to a social event where more people are, the better and more opportunities I'm going to have to connect. Um, and, and then if we can get around a common cause, it's going to, it's going to open up the door for connection even more so. So imagine like, uh, COVID when Everyone's at home and everyone was on social media. It was very easy for us to all move on one accord because everybody was looking and seeing the same thing. And so it's you have the power to connect, but none of us would have been able to do that if none of our devices were connected. So you have to be plugged into the source to have the ability. Then you have to go to a location where the people are, and then you have to rally around the common cause. And that's why I believe what drives connection um, is there's no greater opportunity to do that than around the kingdom of Christ. It unifies. It's it's the source. Hey, first of all, for the power. It's a low. It's it's a location. Everybody was created by God, um, and it's a common cause. And so it's all those things in one, right? And so it's the ultimate driving force for connection. There is no greater connector than the kingdom of Christ. And that's why once someone goes into it and the spirit comes on, it's a natural connector. Right. And so many different strategies and so many different things, but they all fall under the umbrella of kingdom Christ. Um, and I think you just get all these things in the gospel. And so I don't think that there's a better. Uh, and then the results are there. Right. You just and look at the history of time. Right. How many years ago was Christ crucified and it's still relevant today? All these books have came and gone, but the Bible stood the test of time. Right. There's there. We want the results. They're all there. Um, and. Um, I've just seen the results happen uh, too many times, individually, collectively uh, to go to and, and believe in anything else. Um, so, yeah, I love it. So when you think about the seismic shift, so I've named my book, the seismic shift, the podcast, the seismic shift, because there are so many seismic shifts going on in the world. And as leaders, we've got to figure out how to adapt to them, right? So there's so many seismic shifts right now with technology and artificial intelligence. The seismic shift that I saw that jerk bosses, no, 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 that doesn't work anymore. We need to actually show up as, as human and show care and, and compassion and kindness. Those are some of the seismic shifts that I'm seeing. What are you seeing in your world, seismic shifts, and how can we adapt to them? There's so many things. When you, when you even go to the basis since we we're finally getting a chance to have this interview, uh, I love what you're doing around seismic I think that unity shifts things, right? Um, you could be united around a positive thing. You could be united around a negative thing. Uh, but when there's unity, it just shifts things. I think um, you think back to like the civil rights movement, right? That was a, a very great cause to be common cause that a lot of people shifted around and helped create a paradigm shift just in our thinking in our country, but it was people being united around this really positive idea and look what it did for our country, right? As saying, uh, we had a negative event, when I go back and bring up COVID and the pandemic, right? It's a negative event, but we're all experiencing it and we had to go through it together, but look how it shifted 
you know, our 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 our, our culture. Um, and so it could be a positive thing. It, it's just unity is going to drive these huge shifts. And so it's going to be one of these things that people are just coming around. Um, and and for me, when I see shifts happening, I go back to what my foundation is. So I know if I need to move with the current or if I need to move against the current. I just can't allow myself to just be moved because things are shifting um, because uh, the Bible tells us to uh, don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so I have to look at the environment and say, is this shift for my good or is this shift for my bad? Whether I know it's good or know it's bad um, intuitively, um, but what does the word tell me? That's my foundation. And I have to go back to my team. What are my team rules? What, what do we do? So I can look at other teams and, and see how they play and plays they do. I can't try to do that in the game. I got to do what my team does. And so that's why that's how I try to pay attention to, to, to different shifts. And I mean, there's all kinds of shifts happening around. You look at uh, youth sports. Um, this is billion dollar industry uh, where parents are just signing their kids up, trying to help them get a scholarship and go play. But we're losing the fundamentals of sports, right? What sports are supposed to teach us about life, but you're teaching, you know, everybody plays. And uh, if you don't like your situation, go play for another team. Then you get into college, you've got the transfer portal and you got all this NIL, which I'm a fan of, uh, but it's just, it's, it's, it's uh, maybe needs a, a, a paradigm shift. Um, that's a seismic shift in sports. Uh, you look at the growing market uh, for, for our game. We don't play football. We're in the entertainment industry. Um, but you look at the ratings and, and it's a seismic shift. So I, I think it's they're, they're always happening around you. Um, but it's about what are you rooting in and, and how are you moving um, in the midst of the time. I love that. So then the final level is connection with your organization and that personal alignment, your values and aligning and making sure, again, that you are going in the strategic direction of where the organization. So what does the 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 culture of the saints look like feel like sound like and how is it so positive i'm trying to figure out the secret sauce how is an organization like this how is it so positive what do they do well well they've cultivated an environment of winning and they've cultivated uh an environment of connection with the city uh probably greater greater than i have ever seen that's uh, it yes yeah. Keep yeah. going. Let's explore that more. That's it. Well, I think, yeah, I think uh, we can we can we can stay in that that vein. They've cultivated a, the team has connected a uh, a connection with the city, um, probably uh, greater than any any environment in in, in pro sports anywhere. Uh, the the city breathes the team, and the team breathes the city. Um, uh, when the city when the team wins, the whole city brightens up. When the team loses, the whole city comes down. I mean, and it's uh, you feel it. Uh, you feel it in the passion. You feel it, um, you know, when you go and shake the hands of, of, of fans and uh, you feel it uh, reading the comments on social media. Uh, I mean, it's it's a it's a family atmosphere um, in that, you know, a family, you have good days, you have bad days and you just all kind of go through it together. But we're one we're one unit. Um, and I mean, it's just there and it's real. Uh, and that's why I love playing here. And there's no play. I mean, 
I, 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 I don't use the word obsessed, but I'm almost obsessed about winning for this city because um, you, when you win, like as an individual, yeah, I can create, I can have success. I know I'm going to have success. I know my foundation, but I almost like, I don't want to win if the people around me don't win. And when I win with this team, everyone automatically wins because it's one. And you don't have to force that. You know, I don't have to convince the city, hey, we all won. Like the city, it's, it's all one. Just like when we lose, the whole city loses. Um, and just that 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 oneness, that 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 in sync is just there. Um, and, and and that's what's unique about New Orleans. And uh, you have to embrace that. That's what it means to be connected to this culture. You know, I can put this in words, and some people just may not understand what I'm talking about. But everyone in New Orleans understands exactly what I'm talking about. And so when you talk about being connected, that's what that's what that means. It's like we have uh, we have our own secret language. You know, people may not understand. You know what? Like, honestly, I, I think I speak for all the world. We don't care. <laughs> we don't care. But we get it. And it's amazing to us. And it's even more amazing when we get it right. And so I think that's what you want is like, OK, I want this connection to mean something. And so for me, it's like. How can I live in a way that transcends the culture, that raises the environment that we can deliver on that on, on those things? Like as a community, as a city, we want to win um, as an organization and we want to have transformative things happen in our community. Um, and how do we accomplish those things together? And I think that's what it's all about. So you mentioned language, and and I remember when Drew Brees came to the city, and and you said we have our own language, and and I put this in my book, and he realized, wait, what is this who dat thing? What are y'all saying? What's the who dat chant? And he realized that it was kind of everywhere, but it wasn't a unified chant. And and he said, I'll never forget the year that he said, I'm gonna make the captain of the team go out after the coin toss. And he's going to raise, and you've done it so many times, and I've screamed at the top of my lungs when Demario Davis is the leader of the Houdat chant, and your right arm goes up, and then the whole stadium knows when your right arm goes down that we all burst into the Houdat chant three times, and it just galvanizes us, the fans, with you. I mean, that, to me, that was just one of the most brilliant ways to connect us together. That is, that is, and... I mean, you get goosebumps being down on that field when the whole crowd is saying, who that, who that, who that, who that, beat that. And everybody is in one accord. And that's really what a chant is for. It's to it's that last moment before the game. Let's all get in sync. Let's all get on one accord and do what we got to do. And that it's bigger than our, ourselves. And I think that's one of my biggest takeaways here is that, you know, for, in order for you to be at your highest level, it, it, it's, you've got to have a purpose that's just bigger than yourself. Absolutely. And you so have that purpose that is bigger than yourself and it's contagious and it's palpable. And so you're connected with yourself. You're connected with your teammates. and You're hoping, you know, by how you live your life, that they want some of that. And then you recognize that it's not just a game of football. That is that that here in New Orleans, it is a true connection with the city that we all rise together. We're all better together. So I I understand now why you were worth the wait, Demario Davis. This was just such a beautiful 
beautiful interview. Can't thank you enough. Can you just one last question for our listeners? Can you give any just piece of advice we've got? You know, most of our listeners are in our, our, our leaders and businesses, and they're trying to do, you know, trying to connect with their team and trying to be these role models. Any piece of advice you can give them? Uh, yes. The best type of leader that you would be is um, a servant leader. Um, a servant leader knows how to serve those around them and to understand. I think before you hear this term, before you can lead, you got to know how to follow. Um, there's no better model to follow of a servant leader than Jesus Christ. And that's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is um, if, 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 if someone doesn't know that it, it, it's very simple. Um, God is perfect. We are not. Uh, there's no human that, that's ever perfect, but the only way to God is through perfection. That's why he sent his son to die on the cross to live a perfect life, the life that we couldn't live and to die on the cross, down the cross for our sins, a death that we couldn't die. And he died and resurrected um, and went to heaven and he said, I'll trade my life for your life. And you can come into the kingdom of heaven if you just accept me. And once we go into him, uh, it's a free gift um, and it changed your life. And uh, I think that he created a pathway for us all. Um, by laying down his life. And that's what a leader does. A leader uh, isn't just someone out front driving the ship, but is willing to lay his life down for those who are following him. And, uh, and our response to that is, you know, give our life to, to, to taking that, that gospel and that message of the leader uh, around the world. And that's the type of response that you get from people who are following you when you look, when they notice that you lay your life down from, it's a human connection point. That is servant leadership. You are so right that that I mean, leadership, it is an honor to be a leader and it's a responsibility at the same time. And it's so not about you. Right. That was the seismic shift of why I wrote the book. Right. Whoa. It is so not about ego. It is not about you being all powerful and just giving orders. This is so much bigger that leadership really is about servant leadership and removing barriers. And I'm here to develop you and I care about you as a whole person, not just the dollar sign that you bring to our organization. Wow. So again, it's just so much bigger than each individual. And if we can all just see that, then again, I, I feel like I'm on this human revolution that that I just want us to be able to give ourselves permission. And to all of our listeners, Demario Davis is the perfect example that we don't have to pretend that we're perfect and just to be like, I'm just going to bring my professional self to the work today. No, you can be your full self and authentic and real and, and not make any apologies. This is who I am. Right. And then when you do that and you're connected with yourself, then you truly meaningfully connect with others in your organization. And then you're at the highest level. So thank you, Demario Davis, for being with us today. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Take care and great. Good luck in this in the Pro Bowl. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for joining us on The Seismic Shift. And before you go, can I ask one favor of you? Do you mind sharing today's episode with a leader you know? The power of this conversation is found in your using it and sharing it to create real connection in your life. Lastly, I'd like to thank Loyola University, New Orleans and the Terra Firma audio team for helping bring this content to life.